Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Becky, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. On our panel today are Mick Wells. Mick is the president of Wells of Salvation Ministries, and he is one of the co-hosts of Cross Connection Radio. Steve Wilson is with us. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton, and he is a freelance author as well. And leading our discussion today is going to be Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is one of the pastors at Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. And Vicki, you have a topic, and your name of your topic is? Jesus is the ultimate authority. Amen. And we can just stop there, right? Yeah. <laughs> a great program. I got the idea for this because I was watching a movie called Time Changers, and it was out in 2002. I'd never heard of it before. It was uh, made by five and two pictures, and I'd never heard of them before either. Uh, but it's a great Christian film, and I'm so glad that I, I watched it. Um, so... Um, I'm just going to kind of give a background of, of what it was about. Um, the setting of it started off in 1890, uh, Grace Bible Seminary, um, and Dr. Russell Carlyle, he wrote a manuscript called The Changing Times. And his publisher that was ready to um, uh, print the book, and his publisher said, why don't you go to the seminary board, and you know we can, it would really aid in the credibility of the book and promote sales if they would give an endorsement and write this little statement. And so um, it has to be unanimous, the board. That's just the way they did things. And so he went to them, and uh, everyone was in agreement except for one man. And he started to say why he was in uh, disagreement. He said there was just, he was really just objecting to this one thing in the book, which was that it was enough just to teach the moral teachings of Jesus, even if it is apart from his name, or if people are rejecting the authority of Jesus Christ in their lives. And some of the things that this man said uh, that wrote it, he said, well, we cannot always mention the name of Jesus because it may not be received, especially by those already offended by the church or brought up in another religion. Sounds like being politically correct, doesn't mm -hmm. it? <laughs> it does. Even back in 1890. <laughs> uh, these moral standards taught universally would greatly benefit social behavior, and good morals can be used to attract people to the Lord. And so that's some different things that he said. But the professor, he said a lot of really good things in this. I'm just going to pull out some of them. He said, Jesus is the authority behind his commands, and the people need to understand that fact. If we remove his authority, then we have no basis on which to command. And so then the professor invites this writer over to his home, uh, and eventually he does go over there. He said, I want to show you something so that uh, you understand why I'm opposed to this one particular thing in the book. And so this is where it gets quite interesting because uh, the man, uh, the professor, his father had made a time machine and he had never traveled in the time machine, but six months earlier, this, this man did. And he went in a little over a hundred years into the future and he saw what life was like in the year of 2000. And so that's why he was saying what he was saying and being opposed to this. And so he talks this guy into going into the future and he lands uh, in the 2000, which would be 110 years into the future. Now, if you can just imagine his amazement, I mean, the car's whizzing by, he was in the city. And so it was quite amazing. Um, 
And so just briefly, some of the things that he discovered, he discovered that people were not interested in church and they don't think it, um, they don't think they need it or they think that uh, need it for salvation since they're good people, basically. We're good people. We don't need to go to church. Didn't need salvation. Society, for the most part, lives without Christ and his word. Calling behavior sin is foreign to them, and they see nothing wrong with their behavior, although the Bible does deem it sinful. They don't look at it that way, though. And the church seems to be complacent, he thought. And uh, there was one instance where he went to a visitation class. They had announced that. And he went, and he made the fourth person. There was only three other people there. And the, and the leader of it said, oh, well, this is a good crowd tonight. <laughs> you know. And so he's kind of looking at this like how people really aren't interested in uh, spreading the faith. And uh, so then, and lastly, he saw the destruction that came from separating the authority of Christ from his teachings. And as I said, this professor, there was a lot of quotes when they were having this discussion in the beginning of why he didn't like this in the book. But one thing that he said was, the ultimate issue of Christianity is the authority of Christ, and the devil is attacking this authority. You know, quite possibly, this is Satan's greatest mission, is to eliminate the authority of Christ um, in the world. You know, uh, we, we can see that, you know, in our own country, uh, because that would remove the biblical standard that's been set forth by God if you take away uh, the authority of Christ. And, you know, for years now, decades, we've lived what has been uh, deemed as moral relativity, where everything goes. Morality is whatever you think it should be, whatever you deem it to be, however you see things, however that you want to live. There's no standard anymore is, is what moral relativity means. You know, just do as you please. Can I interject and, really quick there? One of the great things that I learned and heard a, a, a quote, and it may have been from Charles Colson, the late Charles Colson, mm -hmm. who said that there are people who argue that you can't legislate morality, but he said that the truth is we're always legislating morality. It's just whose morality are we legislating? That's true. And it gets to the point of what you talked about, the moral relativism. I'm sorry if I interrupted you there, but I just right. I wanted to bring that up because I think that gets kind of what you were talking about. Right. And so there's no standard authority to draw from, from uh, Christ's authority, because it's been removed. I mean, if that's the case, if, if there's no set standard, where, where do we even get morality from? And so um, some people, they reject the authority of the Bible, so they're not going to care what it says anyway. And others want to twist it into something that can fit their lifestyle, believing that they can just ignore areas of the Bible that is really sinful. And so there's a lot of things that we could go down a road and talk about, and so we don't have time for all that. So one thing that I just want to bring up, and you can give your opinion on this, of course, um, that people believe they can go to heaven no matter how they live, even though the Bible clearly calls their behavior sin. Uh, have you ever come across people like that? Or have you ever felt like that yourself? Um, making your own rules of however you want to live, um, basically thinking that they can uh, go to heaven or earn our way to heaven by how good we are. Um, in my testimony, um, I told this, but I was one of those people who was shocked when I found out that I needed to be saved. So I was one of those people that thought I was just going to go to heaven. And so that shows me that there are people out there in the world that they don't mean to try to think that they're going to go to heaven because they're, they're good, you know. It's that they don't know any better and, and the church needs to tell them. You ever come, ever come across anyone like that? Well, Vicki, I found an interesting quote from Billy Graham, which I think would fit in nicely here. 
He said man tries to remake God to conform to his own wishful thinking so that he can make himself comfortable in his sins. Um, so often today I hear people describe God uh, under terms of their own definition. They think God is love and they say love is acceptance of everybody and therefore everybody's going to go to heaven, kind of along the lines. But it's so pervasive as a mindset in society that we live in. Yeah. Well, let's talk about in our own society, um, you know, because we can see that the authority of Christ has been removed in a lot of ways. And so, you know, from our own culture, in what ways do you see that as truth? What has happened over the decades that has removed uh, God's authority, Christ's authority? Well, in public arena, uh, the most prominent things I can think of are like eliminating uh, prayer mm -hmm. to God in, in public schools, mm -hmm. legalizing uh, abortion, uh, redefining uh, marriage, elimination from public life of symbols and references to God, and just an extremely narrow and almost irrational application of this concept of separation of church and state where they're looking for just any excuse to keep God and belief in God out of, out of the public life. And I, I believe that that's explained by, uh, in the sinful world, in the mind of unbelievers, there's a hatred toward mm -hmm. God, and I uh, would blame the enemy of God uh, and the spirit of antichrist, as the Bible talks about it, yes. just being in the world and, and taking root, and it's become the paradigm. Yeah. One of the things that I like to share is that if you boil the gospel down to its simplest form, and not just the gospel, but the reason why we need a Savior, is because going all the way back to the garden, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, what was their greatest sin was that they wanted their way instead of God's way. And when you look at the Old Testament as a whole, I mean, a very, very, very short summary of it, there's a lot of good truth in the Old Testament, don't misunderstand that. But if you just want to look at a very, very, very short summary, it basically tells of the futility of human beings in trying to attain God or godliness on their own. And so what we have now is a point in our culture where Human beings are moving farther away from God the more that we think we know through science, through whatever it might be. And I believe that there's a reason why we're trying to separate ourselves from the things Mick talked about, for instance, the prayer in schools and, and where everything that mentions God is, is shunned more and more by this society. Think of the area of biblical criticism where people are now... Well, not now, but have been um, reinterpreting Scripture, you know, uh, based on what they think it says or what they want it to say or mm -hmm. what, um, you know, would sound nicer if it said it. I think of churches uh, who accept homosexual pastors, you know, active homosexual pastors. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's the whole deal where I don't want to submit myself to... Scripture and the historical understanding and um, what the church has, by and large, historically understood, this is what Christ said, this is what he meant. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to say, okay, no, actually, I'm the authority. And, you know, 2,000 years later, I have better ability than the early Christians did to go back and look at it and say, well, Jesus probably meant this mm. because that's what my interpretation of grace is or, you know, whatever else. Right. And I'm, when you said that, it made me think of the denomination even back in 2004 that said the ancient texts basically are outdated. They don't relate to modern society. Right. right. So, so now you're saying, I have the authority to determine these scriptures are invalid or they need to be reinterpreted or I don't need them. And I can say, well, this is my faith. Right. Based on what we think is best rather than what God says is best through his word. And we're going to need to take a quick break for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with the next part of Reconciling Grace. So we've been discussing... Um, how the authority of Christ in some ways has been removed from our culture. And Steve has something he wants to share with us. I was going to say, the authority of Christ has even been removed from our churches. And I talked about uh, the ordaining of uh, active homosexual pastors. But also in my own life, uh, I was asked to leave or or I left uh, ministry positions because of this. One church... um, first church I was in, uh, one of the board members was living with uh, her boyfriend, and I said, hey, you know, that's not really supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than the church, uh, the pastor and the board submitting to Christ's authority on that issue, uh, they said, Steve, you're going to have to not talk about that, or, you know, we're going to ask you to leave. And then uh, the last church I was at, a uh, similar situation, I was telling the teens, uh, I was leading the high school students um, on a study about sexuality, and we talked about homosexuality. Now, that wasn't God's plan for us, and how we, um, you know, if we have those temptations, they're like any other temptations that we need to resist. And the adult uh, parent helper that was in the class with me during that session uh, apparently complained, and then uh, the pastor said, hey, you know, you're not allowed to talk about that. Well, it's sadly in the church as well that we just get so used to seeing things that we just adapt it to ourselves. But that kind of reminds me earlier how we said, you know, how people will twist the scriptures to fit what they want to believe and as if God has changed the standard. Uh, but we know right. that that's not true. Um, Mick, you mentioned about prayer being out of the schools, and that goes back decades to 1962. Mm-hmm. So, uh, another thing that I read was that Bible reading, the, the, the source of the Bible being taught in the schools, was the very following year in 1963. So is it any wonder why I didn't know I needed Christ and thought I was going to go to heaven just because um, I was a pretty good person and didn't know any better? You know, So that was one of the biggest things, I think, that everything else just slid right along with it. Right, and it slid. Because it wasn't I, being you know, taught. I like that word, that it has slid, because... You said that uh, why wouldn't you think that you were going to heaven? Today it would be, what's heaven? Yeah, you, you wouldn't even have any idea. Um, so, And I think that we can really relate um, to this as well, of 
all the division and the hate that we see right now uh, in our country and have been seeing for a couple years, but it just keeps getting worse and worse. There's such a lack of respect for other people. There's a lack of respect for people in authority. And, of course, that's been going on for a long time as well. You know, you think of the schools, and there's such a lack of respect there uh, for the people in authority uh, over them. But it's, it's not only a lack of respect, a disrespect for authority, but also that disobedience of thinking that, you know, who are you to tell me what to do? And that's what happens when you take away who, who is going to be the ultimate authority? Because we know the things that we're talking about, the Scriptures talks about everything that we've been talking about, uh, and that there is a standard to live by, and Christ is the authority. And then just one last thing, um, the divorce rate is 42 to 45 percent. Uh, and when I looked this up to see what it was presently, it, it is good that back when it was 50 percent, it was a lot higher uh, between, I think— in the 80s and 90s is how the graph that I saw. Uh, so it's a good thing that it's coming down. But then it made me think, well, is it because people not getting married? And so yeah. if they're not getting married as, as often, then the divorce rate would be down. Uh, but again, we can just see how this has happened in our own culture. And basically, that's what the movie was showing when he went into 2000. He was seeing all this stuff and how morality just wasn't uh, doing it for mm -hmm. him anymore you know he thought he saw how wrong he was so um, the bottom line in the movie just to make clear um was that he saw what happened when people stopped backing up the moral standards by saying that this is what god expected or this is what god's word said and just basically trying to say this is just the right thing to do right yeah not having a basis for it well, I think that another mission Satan uh, is, has been on is to desensitize us. In other words, to make us not feel shock or anxiety or horror over the sinful things that we see around us in the world. Um, so how do you think we've been desensitized to sin in the world today? And what is Satan hoping to accomplish through that tactic? I think he's wanting to make us spiritually numb. Okay. Because... Uh, you can take any atrocity, and if you increase its frequency, how we're bombarded in the news with things that would have just stunned us years ago, like overseas, for example, the beheading of Christians, and uh, the recent uh, legislation in New York over uh, unborn children, and um, there's there's it's conditioned a mindset in our culture to attack anything and anyone representing Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think this concept of the seeker-sensitive churches has not helped us at all because um, if you take, let's face it, if you take Christ out of the public life, you need to lean that much harder on churches. And if churches start abandoning him and equivocating and and not addressing what the Bible says, and Jesus has authority behind it. There's a great desensitization taking place right where we need to lean the hardest, and that is among the people who represent Jesus Christ. And the truth needs to be told, you know? Right. Uh, we need to tell the truth of the Word of God. Uh, someone else have any other thoughts of how we have been desensitized to sin in the world? I think about everything we see on TV. Mm -hmm. Everything that is uh, supposed to be taken as a joke or taken lightly or 
Um, what kind of things? Fact, well, now we can talk about violence, mm -hmm. uh, so-called cartoon violence, um, jokes making fun of other people, mm -hmm. um, the way that uh, you know, people have, have no shame, but they see, they see sin as entertainment. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, too, that um, the desensitization comes because we watch, for instance, I try to stay informed, mm -hmm. and so I'll watch the news. And what has happened in the media when it comes to the news is they try to sensationalize things. And I don't want to just say sensationalize things, but they tend to focus on the things that are the worst. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Jesus talked about the fact that uh, you might not have murdered your brother, but if you say to him, Raka, which is a term of contempt, it's the same. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people today might see the news and see that, uh, well, I haven't gone and shot up a school. I haven't gone and into a tower in Las Vegas and started shooting at people who are at a concert. So, you know, I'm not that bad. Yeah. And do you well, think that we've... Oh, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to say, it's kind of hard to take that violence seriously, even as a viewer, if uh, in my video game I'm going around and shooting people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a form of entertainment. It's not a tragedy. It's not um, telling me that life is sacred. Right. It's saying, hey, this is a fun thing um, yeah. to do. And watching it in a movie, we have right. truly been desensitized that when we see or hear about tragedies, I mean, how much does it really affect us in here um, at all? I mean, some, some, I, know, I know this really spoke to me, you know, when I, when I saw that movie and when I thought about uh, all these things. Um, lying, you know, it, it, like you, in the secular world, that's normal. Lying is funny, you know, in sitcoms, and, and it's, it's just normal to lie. Or there was a, um, you know, you think of sexual immorality, and the, there was something... Um, several years ago that they were saying they, uh, and this may not be correct as far as the percentage, but I think that it was 65% of, of married men uh, commit adultery. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that because that's normal. You know, yet we know what the Bible says about adultery and calls that sin. And there's jokes made about pornography. Hey, everybody's going to look at pornography. That's just normal. You know, why shouldn't we look at pornography? Um, and why shouldn't we, you know, sexual immorality, you know, just, you know, the kids calling, hooking it up. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just turned into something where everything is acceptable all the time because we see it as normal. You know, it's just something that uh, we're bombarded with all the time. And so when we are, then, and if, especially kids growing up, they just view these things as normal. But I think that... Um, this influence of secular entertainment and also getting God removed as the authority in our schools and our governing societies have just caused people to not have a reverence for the Lord. And uh, I think people rarely fear the conviction of sin, you know, unless they're really going to get into that place where they can, you know, which a good place for that is in the church when the truth is being told. But they, they don't view it. It's hard to feel convicted of something that you don't think is wrong, mm. you know, if you, if you just think it's okay that you do these things. Um, now, there was a, something in the movie that I want to point out. He goes to a church, and he goes, and they invite him to go to the movies. And so 
um, he goes into this movie, and you can just see on his face. They wouldn't show on the screen, but he's just big eye to seeing this but he he comes and this is really funny part he comes yelling out of there and he's just shocked and goes to the concession stand and he's telling them stop the movie they're blaspheming the lord they're taking his name in vain you know turn it off turn it off because his morality is telling him hey this is wrong you know but yet his friends they talk about this later and the church people and they're just like well, that's not a big deal. You know, it's just a movie. And and after all, the, the guy separated from his wife, but they got back together in the end, so it's a moral movie. Now, isn't that the way we are when we just watch? That also spoke to me, you know, that we we just are so acceptable of the things that we see and the things that maybe we use as entertainment. You know, we know that it's wrong. I mean, there's times when I'm turning things off, you know, of what I'm watching, but um, I think that was a very good point uh, to make as well. But let's get to the scriptures because we're going to run out of time here. Uh, Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. These are the words of Jesus, by the way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's the scripture telling us of who has the authority? Jesus. He does. And something significant there, he said, in teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one in authority and to obey his commands. Um, Colossians 2.10 says, Christ is the head over every power and authority. And uh, someone want to read Mark 1, what is it? It starts yeah. at 122. Well, it might be a little from, more uh, Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 22. Yes. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. So we can see he has uh, authority over everything, even the spiritual world. And then Philippians 2, 9-11. through 11. We know that Jesus came from heaven was born and lived as a human and died for our sins on the cross. And so Paul says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, so we can see even from those scriptures we could have found more Uh, But we can see from the scriptures that Jesus is the ultimate authority. Uh, But, you know, even in the church, as we were saying earlier, even in the church, we're just really not uh, always following that authority. And so, you know, uh, he was telling them in the movie that they needed to, you know, get back to God and and, uh, not be so complacent and and choosing Jesus as their Savior and making sure that they were ready for heaven because we're going to spend eternity somewhere. You know, we're going to spend it in heaven or we're going to spend it in hell. And it's going to be by our own choices. And it's not about living for how we think that we should live and what we think is right. It's about repenting of your sins and accepting Christ as your Savior and then living by those commands. 
um, because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And so if you don't know Jesus today, choose him as your Savior because it will be the best choice of your life. Absolutely. And that's the key, is the key is it's either my way or it's God's way. God's way is through Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Vicki Cundiff, I appreciate the fact that you led this topic today on Jesus being the ultimate authority. Our panel members today also included Mick Wells, Steve Wilson, and this is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for joining us again today for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.